0: L.L. Bean is a proud partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can help them support the parks by shopping their limited edition National Park Collection. Every time you purchase products from the National Park Collection, which includes totes, shirts, hats, patches, and more, you're helping to protect, restore, and improve parks throughout the U.S. Search National Park Collection at LLBean.com and be an outsider with LL Bean. This week, we continue our shelter in place in Arizona, where we're getting visits from new critters. There's a new version of the Instant Bot out that Star Wars fans are sure to enjoy, and we unravel the secrets of the history of modern camping. This is RV Miles. everybody, and welcome to episode 140 of RV Miles. I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things outdoors, from RV and destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more.
0: We are, as we said, coming to you again from our shelter-in-place location. Here in uh, Camp Camp Verde or Camp Verde, Camp Verde, Arizona, and uh, and having a blast. We're meeting new social distance friends. We where, are. Where the kids are having, uh, they're making the best of it with the yeah. fact that the playground's closed and there's uh, not a whole lot to do here other than play with their toys and play in the mud.
1: Yes, there's plenty of mud for them to get into. And a very big hi to anyone that's listening that's actually in the upper loop of this campaign. Yeah, crowd. we've
0: talked to several there, people here that there are that, that uh, follow us and we can't like Talk to them here in person, but we're talking to them on social media. So so that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's been really great. You you feel a little bit like there's a community and you don't feel so isolated when you start seeing pictures and being like, I know that spot in the campground. (laughs)
0: So, and a lot of
1: them are up there on my walking path. So it's nice to know everyone's up there and we look forward to getting to see people hopefully sooner rather than later.
0: So, we are still new to putting these episodes out on YouTube. We we think we may have the hang of it now a little bit.
1: I think you've got to stop saying that because every time we say we think we've got the hang of it, we fall apart.
0: Well, it's like a drinking (laughs)
1: game. If you listen to this show, every time Jason and Abby say they think they've got the hang of it, you should just just take a drink.
0: We've been having lots of conversations about going live (laughs) because uh, we've been going live a lot on Facebook and YouTube lately uh, to talk about latest coronavirus stuff to talk about just what's going on in our life, just to talk and hang out with people because everybody else is sort of in the same situation where you're just sitting at home with not a whole lot to do. So we, we like doing that. And I think the whole world is starting to catch on to doing more sort of live streaming stuff.
1: Just finding new ways to connect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we like being able to talk to you guys as much as possible. So we've talked about do we record these podcasts as a live stream and then edit them and put them out so we can talk to people, um, different ways that we can interact. But I think what we're going to try to do is once a month, or let's just say once we're going to do, we're going to test this. We're going to record one episode, uh, totally as a live stream so that we can interact with you guys beforehand and at the breaks maybe and at the end and and you can just sort of see how it goes, how we how, how we, often we
1: make mistakes, how we do
0: this uh, and uh, <laughs>
1: how many times we have to repeat that that intro. <laughs> maybe
0: maybe we'll make fewer mistakes <laughs> if it's live and then the edit will true. be easier, right?
1: Maybe I think really what we're trying to do and as we have been uh, staying home and a lot of people are experiencing this as well, we're all sort of reexamining examining how we work in this modern age and how things can so drastically change. Right. And we are really trying to find what is our place amongst what is a lot of content out there. Mm -hmm. And not that we don't want to reinvent wheels. I'm not interested in reinventing wheels. I'm just trying to find a way to streamline what we do and to do what we do well. Like we know that we really enjoy podcasting. Everything will always come back to podcasting. That'll be the epicenter of the entire RV miles world. But after that, when you have so many different platforms, you can be on so many different ways to connect. What works for us and for our lifestyle? Because our lifestyle is anything but nine to five. It is completely unpredictable and it changes week to week. So we never really want to get locked down into something having to be at the exact same time every single week because that sort of defeats... The RV lifestyle purpose for us as full time RVers, like we left Chicago to have that freedom to go and do as time would allow and as opportunities would allow. And
0: and we already do. We have one real thing right now that has to be. The same time every week we do our Monday night live stream on the Our Wandering Family Facebook page. That's just sort of a hangout. It's a lot of fun. We sometimes have a topic. Sometimes. um, Maybe this
1: Monday night we might do trivia night. I'm trying to figure out a way we can do trivia night this Monday night. But that might actually change when we get back on the road. It started right before all of this sort of collapsed and we all started staying home. So it's been kind of easier for us to do it. But, you know, when we get out onto the road and we're traveling a lot and we're experiencing different places, uh, who knows what Monday night is going to start looking like. Maybe some of
0: them will end up being just short 10 minutes. Hi, how's it going? Things. Yeah. Or, hey, look, we're
1: sitting in this restaurant having dinner. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Monday Night Live. I'm having pasta.
0: Right. Right. So we'll see. I've sort of upgraded our our live streaming setup, So I think we've got a, a better plan for that moving forward. Always we've had,
1: reinventing that we've wheel. We've had some
0: issues with the live streams lately. Some, but So we're going to see how that goes. So next week's podcast, I think we're going to try this on, right?
1: Yes, because we um, have some scheduling things that we really want to mm. put in place for ourselves as well. And we want to get, a, a, at least we want to get the podcast. I say how we like to live an unscheduled life, but we really do want to get the podcasts more scheduled.
0: So on next Friday, that's the. Don't do math. 12 13, uh, it'll 14, be the 15, 17. 17th. Next Friday, the 17th. Uh, in the afternoon at some point we're going to be going live and recording this podcast and hopefully you'll join us there yeah. and and can chat with us a little bit
1: hey, and then we're going to need to hear from you whether or not that was a good idea I so
0: mean, so check our social to media to to find out what time exactly and hey maybe some people will be on and be able to tell us if we mispronounce something so we don't have to go back and yeah, say, maybe say we, we did it wrong right? next time we could have gotten someone to jump on that
1: <laughs> Mackinac Mackinac for us in the moment. We could have fixed it because that was embarrassing.
0: So try to join us for that. But if not, join us for our Monday Night Lives. That happens every Monday night at 5 Pacific. Where <laughs> are we? One. Who are we? 5 Pacific, 6 Mountain, <laughs> 7 Central, 8 Eastern. Uh, on Over on Facebook on the Our Wandering Family Facebook page. All right, let's talk about some coronavirus travel updates. Uh, Again, like last week, we're going to try to not have this be a coronavirus heavy podcast. We want to just have some fun because everybody is sort of cooped up and going through the same thing. Yeah, but we want to we want to tell you about a few things that are going on out there, and really, we want to point you to a, a YouTube video that I made that takes you through state by state all the restrictions that are happening across the country when it comes to both campgrounds and as it comes to
1: travel. Yeah. This um, is the cliff notes version. And if you would yeah. like to have more information, uh, we will link to it in the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, we will actually, you're going to see a little bar come up with the little eye on it and you're going to want to grab that right there. It'll take you to the video.
0: I just want to grab a couple highlights that I think uh, would be of interest to people listening to the podcast. And one, we were just talking um, about, um, before we started recording, is New Mexico? Um, New yeah. Mexico has done something uh, pretty drastic when it comes to private campgrounds. They they were the first state to close all their state park campgrounds, and they a few weeks ago cut down private parks to fifty percent capacity. Well, now. They've cut private parks down to 25 percent capacity, which at that level is forcing people to leave some private parks. And it's forcing some private parks to just close because it's not enough capacity for them to really make a profit or to open for the season. Is
1: 25 percent capacity even enough to cover your operating costs? Right. Really?
0: And, And not a lot of people realize that. A lot of New Mexico is at higher elevations, and a lot of those campgrounds were just opening for the Mm -hmm. season. So Mm -hmm. if nobody's coming, they might not open. Um, So there are there are lots of private campgrounds available across the country for people looking for a place to shelter in place if they're out on the road. Um, But there are some states that are making it a little bit difficult. The other thing I want to point you to, this didn't make the cut of that video because it happened moments before I recorded the video. It did. The state of Utah, and and there's been a lot of confusion about this, but the state of Utah is now requiring anybody that enters the state to fill out a travel declaration form uh, that asks you questions about are you feeling sick and that sort of stuff. Boy, there are a lot there are a lot of armchair quarterbacks out there. That are talking about how it's a violation of their Fifth Amendment rights and and all sorts of uh, of people worried okay. about traveling through the state that they're going to they're not going to be allowed to travel through through Utah. But really, it's just a survey that they want people to fill out so they can track the virus.
1: Right. And they're only doing it on certain highways, the main highways running well, through Utah, and they text it to you.
0: Yeah, they want everybody to do it. but. They have set up their emergency alert system. Yes. Um, so that when you cross the border into Utah on one of the main highways, you're going to get an alert that says, Please fill out this form.
1: Right. So on those main highways, they're doing it for you. If you come in another way, they're asking you on essentially the honor system to go and find this survey yourself. It's
0: all on on the honor system. Really, it's just you're getting a notification. It's a system that they use for Amber Alerts, you know, so if you're in a local area and you get an Amber Alert on your phone, that's what it is. But boy,
1: people do not like being texted.
0: People do not like this. Mm -hmm. There are some people that have to travel Mm -hmm. in and out of Utah every day, you know, for work or something. (laughs) like that so they're getting this every single day
1: that would that would start to get old you would think that like and maybe they need to fill the survey out i have no idea how all of this works but you would think that if you fill the survey out that you wouldn't continue to get that text if it's wanting a two-week window from you then they need to lay off for two weeks
0: but people that need to get somewhere if you are en route to your home or somewhere that you need to be for work or something like that, you can get wherever you need to be. It's not a problem. It's just unnecessary travel that they're asking you to not do. And you know what? People are really up in arms about our rights in this country and how um, our rights are being treated during this pandemic and, and whether or not we should be worried about our rights being taken away and stuff. And I got to say, I think across the country, I mean, everything is pretty much honor system based right now. Yeah. Hardly anybody's getting like arrested for doing something wrong or fine. There are instances where people are getting fined for unnecessarily, um, I think you know, not might. sheltering in place, but it's rare.
1: I don't want to speak out of place because I will admit that I've started to take my ear a little bit up off the ground on all of this because I just, I, it gets a little overwhelming. Maybe it's happening on a city level. I cannot keep up with all the city and county stuff that's happening I, we can barely keep up with the state stuff it but, changes so fast
0: but generally our government is asking us to do the right thing right yeah, they're just
1: asking us to be grown-ups and, and stay home and
0: if we I'm do that it. then we don't have to worry too much about it but it's the people that feel like they can do whatever they want and i'm I, there are you there are lots of people that have to be out and about and i'm, I'm please don't think that i'm shaming anybody that
1: no not everybody is doing can that, stay but, home. Not everybody has uh, that luxury. Right.
0: And uh, you know, there are times that we need to go out. But there are people that are flaunting it a little bit. Um I know some of these instances in state parks where state parks have had to close that really intended to be open. They've closed because people are breaking down the doors to the bathhouses to go use the bathrooms. Um,
1: Not cool. You know, or nobody wants to go clean or not
0: using the bathrooms at all and using the ground and that sort of stuff.
1: Double not cool.
0: There there are lots of instances where, you know, we just can't have nice things because people won't treat them nicely. No. And that's unfortunate. And. But that's also the way humanity works, apparently. And
1: well, I mean, we're a country of three hundred and fifty million people. We're not all going to think the same and do the same. And there's going to be some who, you know, yeah, essentially, you know, we can't have nice things because of some people don't want to have nice things.
0: So that's the new stuff that we know about travel with the coronavirus right now. Again, please check out that video on YouTube. We'll link to it in the show notes or in, in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. So you can really get a detail of what's happening state by state if you're really interested
1: in that sort of thing. If that fascinates you, <laughs> uh, which we, is why Jason made the video and I made dinner. <laughs> we
0: also do want to talk about RV manufacturers a little bit and what they're going through in this time. A lot of them have have shut down. A lot of them have retooled to make things that are helpful for hospitals in, in this time of need. But some of them are looking to open back up and there have been some dates set for the return of RV manufacturing, both from Winnebago and Keystone, I know, and I'm sure a few others starting in, in mid-May or early May. Early May. May yeah. I
1: think that, was it Keystone that said May 4th?
0: Keystone, Keystone says we are closed down through May 1st. <laughs> we plan to resume manufacturing on May 4th. I don't know what's happening in the days between Maybe there. it's a
1: weekend. Sure, but. You're, so you're closed they- <laughs> down through May 3rd. You're not closed
0: down through May
1: 1st. Oh, potatoes, potatoes, <laughs> potatoes, potatoes.
0: Anyway, so that's happening. People are going to get back to work. The RV industry is very bullish on the future. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the Fresh Tank, Black Tank segment later in the show. But oh, what a teaser. There you go. Uh, so let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to the new brain teaser and uh
1: speaking of teaser
0: (laughs) and we're going to talk a little bit about the history of camping yeah
1: if we all got to be like educating at home let's talk about (laughs) something that's really interesting like camping we'll be right back be right back While we're all staying in one place, now is the perfect time to dream about travel and plan that epic road trip. And Road Trippers Plus is the perfect way to plan your route and find great stops along the way. A Road Trippers Plus subscription allows you to add up to 150 stops ad-free, which means you can build the adventure of a lifetime. A Road Trippers Plus subscription is normally $29.99. However, RV Miles listeners can save 20% off with coupon code RVMILES917X, all one word, at checkout. That's 20% off Road Trippers Plus with code RVMILES917X. You can find the link and coupon code in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 140.
0: It's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. Two friends, Joe and Schmo, were born in May, one in 1932, and the other a year later. Each had an antique grandfather clock, of which he was extremely proud. Both of the clocks worked fairly well considering their age, but one clock gained 10 seconds per hour, while the other one lost 10 seconds per hour. On a day in January, the two friends set both clocks correctly at noon. Do you realize, asked Joe, that the next time both of our clocks will show exactly the same time will be on your 47th birthday. Schmo agreed. Who is older, Joe or Schmo? This is a tough one. (laughs) Uh,
1: Before you give the answer, can I just say you keep tripping me up because you're saying Schmo, but they wrote it S-M-O-E, Schmo. But you keep saying Schmo, like Joe Schmo. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, but I in my head I keep hearing Smo, and I'm like I'm I get confused.
0: Well, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, Well, I'm just saying you've added a ch in there, and I think it's really compromised this brain teaser. Well, I,
0: I did that for a reason because I thought Joe and Smo were too close to each other, so I made.
1: <laughs> That's the whole point. These guys are like essentially twins from another mother. <laughs>
0: anyway, would you like to hear the answer?
1: Not really, but go ahead. <laughs> Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? No, please. The answer.
0: Yeah. Yes. My uh, love, to find my the answer, we have to find how long it will be before the clocks show the same time again. This is when the slow clock loses six hours and the fast one gains six hours. Then they'll show the same time again. This will take 90 days. In 90 days, they will come together at six o'clock. On a calendar, there are 90 days between noon on January 31st and noon on May 1st in years with no leap year. If Schmo had been born in 1933, his 47th birthday would have been 1980, a leap year. This means that Schmo must be older, born in 1932, and the time of this problem is 1979. Wow. Wow wow
1: that's my brain i promise
0: you this week's brain teaser is going to be a heck of a lot easier
1: <laughs> for anyone that has tuned out in the last like minute please rejoin us
0: <laughs>
1: if you've been checking facebook please come back <laughs> if this had been if we were back doing when this used to be a get a prize for the answer this would have been crickets week <laughs> crickets week. <laughs>
0: all right well
1: this one was something
0: (laughs) let's get into something a little more fun
1: yeah Yeah, now let's talk about the history of camping so we we
0: thought this would be a good (laughs) week to talk about the history of camping now obviously camping is something that's been you know i guess people started living camping yeah i mean camping beginning of time it wasn't just
1: born one day i mean it's an evolution i think modern camping is probably a better way we're going to be talking
0: about modern camping in the uh, history of it. And this comes mainly from an article uh, by Jeff Adams at ReserveAmerica.com called A Short History of Camping, which we will link to in the show notes. But we're going to give you some of the highlights uh, because this is really interesting
1: stuff. It is interesting. And we're all learning new things right now. Right. So let's just continue to learn new things. And maybe you have someone, you know, at home who would be interested in learning this as well. And you can share this article with them. So uh, we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to kick it off and we're going to start with the history of campgrounds. And again, modern campgrounds. So 1861, Gunnery Camp is founded in Washington, Connecticut by Frederick Gunn, who owned a boys school. And so they went hiking on a two week trip and they set up a camp. And the activities included hiking, fishing, and observing nature. And of course, cooking over a smoky fire. Fast forward to 1874. That's when the YWCA establishes its first camp in Pennsylvania called Sea Rest, S-E-A. And the camp catered to women only.
0: Wow. So it's like boys and and women were uh, really the first ones at campgrounds.
1: And it wasn't until 1885... the YMCA set up a camp for men, and that was in New York. And that camp actually is still in operation today, which I thought was pretty cool. So to finish off, we're going to fast forward to 1930. And that is when the National Park Service develops 34 recreation demonstration areas, a complex government name for campgrounds which are later turned over to state agencies. So the 1930s is when we really start to see. They called
0: campgrounds (laughs) recreation demonstration areas. Wow.
1: I can't wait. Could you imagine me like, what do you want to do this weekend? (laughs) I want to go to a recreation demonstration area and sleep in a tent.
0: Sounds sounds like a plan. Sounds fantastic.
1: (laughs) So today... There are over 113,000 federally managed campsites, more than 166,000 campsites in state parks and an untold number of private parks, according to this article.
0: I was actually trying to figure out how many that's the number of campsites I was trying to figure out earlier today, unrelated to this, how many federal, state and local campgrounds there are that might be closed right now. That's how you spent your Saturday. It's (laughs) it's got to be a lot. I mean, I I could not find any definitive number, but I know the U S forest service operates 4,300 campgrounds.
1: Well, Aren't there organizations for each that should have these numbers?
0: Yeah. come on! I didn't want to spend the time. OK. okay. <laughs> all
1: right.
0: Okay. I wanted an easy number. You
1: wanted someone to have done all the work. <laughs> well, it was and then just really, what, what I number. wanted to find out was that how sounds- many
0: state park campgrounds are all across the country. And then I would have to go to every single state. That's too much.
1: work. No, look, that sounds like the Abbey School of just give me the information. Like my, somebody do it and then tell me.
0: I do believe. And if, if anybody believes that I'm wrong, let me know, but I do believe that the US Forest Service has the most campgrounds of any organization in the, in the nation at 4,300.
1: I would believe that.
0: Yeah. I know the National Park Service is way down. I mean, it's like 1600 for the National yeah. Park Service. So uh, the, the the Forest Service, we love Forest Service campgrounds for the we most do. part. Some of them are, are great. Some of them are not. But some most, most of them are <laughs> most great. Most of them are really good. <laughs> now, the
1: 4,400, they're really good. I can't wait to visit them again. So we're going to move now into the history of camping gear. You're up.
0: All right. So the real ancestor of today's modern camping tent was designed by a U.S. Army officer, and he um, he based it on Native American teepees, of course, in 1855. It was a bell tent and it used canvas instead of buffalo hides. And so back then, most tents were, of course, made by just pulling out sticks out of the wood and covering them with some sort of canvas. And in 1911, the first Boy Scout handbook was published and it showed 10 different types
1: of tents. I would like to see this handbook. (laughs) I want to see the 10 different types of tents.
0: Obviously tents were being used in war. They were being used all over the world, but when world war II was over and the post-war economic boom came along, Americans went to camping retailers and war surplus stores where they purchased thousands of tents and all types of gear before heading outdoors. They actually used some of those leftover army tents from world war two in 59, longtime tent maker Eureka introduced the first fast to set up freestanding tent. And in the 70s, Eureka again made a backpack storable tent that sold 1 million units in just 10 years. The first truck tent appeared in 1990. Which oh, surprises wow. me. That the, surprises the me too. T- a tent to go in the bed of your pickup. They also started putting out tents that attached to the back of minivans at that time. So yes. you could open the back of your minivan and let your battery die on your van with, <laughs> with it. <laughs> and in 2011, 3.2 million Americans made tent camping trips, a million more than RV excursions, believe it or not.
1: I believe that. Yep. I think tent camping holds a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people. And it feels like it for us, it was the gateway into yeah. the RV life. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people that it, tent camping is that gateway into the outdoors and it in, is into this lifestyle. I love that.
0: Tell us about my favorite camping gadget, the camp lantern.
1: Oh, that we don't own any of. Yeah,
0: know, yes. well, we know we have all solar lanterns now. We
1: do. That's true. We don't have the traditional, which is the one we're going to talk about here. So the camp lantern, the, the classic Coleman that we all know and love. Well, that was developed in 1905 by W.C. Coleman. And he develops a liquid fuel lantern with a small base tank that is pressurized using a hand pump. Boy, that sounds like a lot of work.
0: that pump has not changed (laughs) either. You still go buy those pumps at Cabela's or whatever. You can do the little.
1: So the whole point of that (laughs) is that it offered campers a safer, more enjoyable experience. And it offered brighter illumination and no sooty smoke. Sooty. Sooty, 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 sooty. can't. Sooty, 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 so- <laughs> sooty. So- soot. like this is, you just keep this soot. in. Just sooty keep it smoke. in. This has been like the third time I've tried to get this word out. Okay, <laughs> it's just, no smoke. But by soot, <laughs> let's just end it at that. Um, so, in regards to the camp lantern, no, the same principle is still in use today with factory pressurized fuel bottles replacing the pump, and then, of course, over the years we've seen. Battery powered lanterns, LEDs, solar. The list goes on and on now as to the type of lantern you can have.
0: Yeah. And really just in the last couple of years, we, we're ready to just have solar lanterns. The solar right. lanterns are at this point finally bright enough to, to last and they charge quick enough to we last. We love
1: ours. We have yeah. the Lucy lights from Empowered and we absolutely love them. So let's talk about something that we've had a love-hate relationship with. And we finally had to break up with
0: <laughs> camp stove. The
1: camp stove. Well,
0: you know, I love kids. if we had room for uh, our Coleman camp stove that we got rid of, I would still have it to be part of our outdoor kitchen. We just don't have the space for it.
1: You just want to be anymore. in a dysfunctional relationship with a camp stove. <laughs> I have cut the
0: cord. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we have a stove in our RV. Yes, not that's uh, some people don't. A lot of people. Enough. There are people in teardrop campers. There are people in pop ups and oh, lots of sure. reasons to have a a camp stove out there.
1: We didn't have one when, I mean, when we were in the bus, we didn't Mm -hmm. have the stove that we have now. We've absolutely been there. It's one of the reasons why we broke up with the camp stove.
0: In World War II, 1942, the Coleman Company responded to the U.S. Army's urgent request to develop a compact stove for battlefield use. The resulting single-burner stove could burn any type of fuel, function at negative 60 degrees and up to 150 degrees. It weighed three and a half pounds and was smaller than a one-quart milk bottle. Along with the Jeep, it's considered one of the two most important pieces of non-combat equipment in the war.
1: I have a little bit more respect for the camp stove now. I still don't want one, but (laughs) that's really cool.
0: After the 50s, the Coleman Army stove evolved into the familiar fold-up two and three burner stove that you see at many campsites today. Other manufacturers have adopted pressurized fuel concepts, and now there are several variations on the basic design. But now the camp lanterns and the camp stoves can use the same types of fuel, and it's interchangeable and all that sort of stuff.
1: So I every time we say the word camp stove, I always think about our trip to the Smokies Mm -hmm. when we were tent camping and we arrived in the dark and I was trying to make macaroni and cheese
0: (laughs) on the camp stove in the dark. In the dark. While
1: it was slightly raining.
0: Yeah, and bugs flying into the boiling water
1: good times. (laughs) So next up is the cooler chest. Many of you who have RVs, you may not have a cooler with you as well. But if you are a tent camper, you most likely have one of these at your campsite. Now we have
0: we have a cooler. We have
1: a cooler. We love our cooler. We
0: use our cooler to put groceries in when, we're, when we have to go a long way to a grocery store and there's cold stuff to put in. You can use them to put your drinks outside if you don't have an outdoor kitchen. stuff Absolutely. like that. Absolutely.
1: And we have a Pelican. We love our Pelican. Uh, I'm sure anyone who's been listening to the podcast for a long time knows that we've worked with Pelican for a few years they're a fantastic brand. Uh, but in regards to when the cooler chest appeared, that would be in 1957. And here we go with the Coleman company again. So Coleman introduces an insulated cooler with steel shell and inner plastic liner to replace those old fashioned steel ice bins that would sweat rust and didn't stay cold very long now coleman did not get to have a lock on this cooler chest world too long because the igloo company came in in 1960 and they go one better and introduce the first all plastic cooler chest now of course over the years we've gone one better than igloo i guess if you want to say with the invention of things like the yeti yeah the, the rota molded coolers the, yes. that are
0: fairly new to the market now i gotta say my grandparents i I vividly remember them still having their original Coleman cooler with the metal sides.
1: Oh, those are fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, when I think of a cooler chest, I still have the very vivid vision of the rectangular one that had and it was kind of a rougher plastic. It mm-hmm. was usually like a blue or red. It was an igloo, most likely blue or red and then a white lid. And it was snaps and you just lift it up. And that was it. And it had a little spout on the side. And that's how you got the water out. Yep. Like that was a staple. Yeah, you at could family get together. You could actually like
0: make like lemonade or Kool Aid in that. And yes, use the spout for yes. that on the side. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh-huh.
0: All right, let's talk about some camping treats, specifically the s'more. S'mores are my favorite camping treat. Is there and- any
1: other camping treat? I mean, when you when you talk about the king queen of the <laughs> camping treat. It's the s'more. Now it's taken on a million new variations. Yeah. We did an
0: episode a while back where we covered some variations on s'mores and we, for we have an article on the website as well. <laughs> some of them, including like melting mini marshmallows and chocolate into, into an ice cream cone, like a waffle cone. That's one, that one is the one that sounds the best to me that I have to try, but
1: you have to read this fact. <laughs> and then I got an opinion about this
0: fact. Okay. In 1927, the first official recipe for s'mores appeared in a Girl Scouts manual, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was called Tramping and Trailing with the Girl Scouts,
1: a tramp, tramping and trailing. There is so much to unpack here. I don't even know where to start. Okay, first off, Tramping and Trailing with the Girl Scouts. Brilliant. I wish I had been given that book when I was in a Girl Scout, when I was a Girl Scout. Uh, Second, look, I don't know who is coming up with all this stuff in the Girl Scouts, but they got the lock on the food. They OK, do. sorry, Boy Scouts. Keep your popcorn. I, but look,
0: I was S'mores. Hey, when I was I was a Cub Scout and I uh, never made up to Boy Scouts. But the fact that we had to try to sell popcorn when how the girls were able to sell thin mints. how humiliating! I don't, <laughs>
1: I don't even know how you could walk up to your grandparents and ask them to buy a tin of popcorn <laughs> you. It's embarrassing. I mean, while I would be over there being like, would you like some thin mints? Would uh, you like some?" when they were called Caramel Delights? Now they're I don't even know what they're called. I mean, they're everybody S- loves
0: popcorn popcorn. popcorn too but you you can get popcorn at the grocery store
1: (laughs) no you know when everybody loves popcorn the holidays okay you know when everyone doesn't love popcorn when the boy scouts try to sell it
0: what we sold was not popped popcorn like you get at christmas it was kernels (laughs) <laughs> the you go pop yourself on.
1: so you mean i have to do the work
0: yes, I'm, that's eat? what i'm
1: saying that's like, was... if, that's like if a girl scout came up to me and was like here's some cookie mix <laughs> but you have to go home and make it why would i buy that and don't give me that's because it's for the boy scouts
0: i would eat if they did sell girl scout cookie dough in the store however
1: Ooh, but that's such a different thing because <laughs> then i would just eat the dough all right, that's a whole. So, different so the Girl Scouts
0: get the credit for the first s'mores recipe being written down. Abby, tell us about the history. Let's get into more of the theme of this podcast a little bit. Love. Tell us about the history of travel trailers. Wait,
1: I don't understand how everything before this isn't the theme. Okay, of Okay, well,
0: RV we is use in the all name. Of it. Yes, that's true. So, in
1: 1910, the first non-tent travel campers are built at the Los Angeles Trailer Works and Auto Camp trailers
0: of course the conestoga wagon was much earlier
1: it was much (laughs) much earlier but you know but this is
0: the first sort of mass manufactured
1: yes and you weren't going to go down the oregon trail with it and get dysentery so um in 1916 (laughs) the first tent trailer arrives built by the campbell folding camping trailer company so this is a pop-up this yes say that five times fast (laughs) 1920 we get Airstream trailers. The name Airstream, though, isn't used until 1936. All right, then. In 1936, Airstream luxury trailer introduced the Clipper, which featured dry ice air conditioning. Ooh, la la. Water tanks, electric lighting, and a kitchenette. Fancy. So prior to 1936, you were just getting like a box to sleep in. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing modern like we all know today. Uh, 1960, fifth wheel trailers appear on the road. In 1964, the first pop-up trailers make their debut. I'm really surprised that Airstreams and fifth wheels came before we decided to make a compact pop-up trailer.
0: So what were those tent trailers if they weren't pop-up trailers from the Campbell well, folding camping trailer company.
1: I don't know. Cause I'm not going to Google it, but I'm assuming because a pop-up trailer folds in on itself and gets real compact. I'm going to yeah. guess that this it's first just... non. So there you have it. So we took a, f- we took a break in this podcast and we did some Googling research <laughs> and let's thank you, Google. Let's go back to that. We were curious about that Campbell folding camping trailer company.
0: So that was a, it was a trailer trailer. That you basically had a tent that you build on top of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like poles Google this. And, and stuff.
1: Yeah, it literally looks like a wagon and then they've skirted it. <laughs> yeah, you don't just like lift a pop up and it's, it's like, a pop up. It's like if a circus tent and a wagon had a yes. baby. Yes. This is what you'd get. All right. All right.
0: Let's talk about motorhomes.
1: Last but not least, <laughs> let's talk about motorhomes.
0: Created out of the love for automobiles and camping, the motorhome came to be. In 1910, the first motorhome was Pierce Arrows Touring Landau, which debuted at Madison Square Garden. I uh, think it'd
1: be cool if it was a Lando.
0: <laughs> the back seat folded down into a bed, a chamber pot toilet yes. and a fold down sink were involved but the whole idea of the motorhome didn't catch on at that point i
1: can't imagine why you wouldn't want like your home on wheels to have a chamber pot can you imagine if you forgot to empty that before you headed out <laughs> no like talk about a black tank that's just unforgiving oh, goodness wow
0: in Thank the, you. in the 30s automakers experimented more with with motorhomes but the high sticker prices kept public demand low obviously it was the great depression Not the best time for people to be (laughs) buying motorhomes.
1: Second vehicles just to travel around in.
0: Not such a good time. (laughs) Again, following World War II, innovative thinking restarts the motorhome industry on a small scale. Expensive luxury items, motorhomes remain far less popular than travel trailers in the 60s. Following the creation of the country's interstate highway system, traveling to remote wilderness areas became easy. And companies like Winnebago began manufacturing motorhomes on a massive scale, driving down the cost. Today, from the early 16-foot models, motorhomes have grown into 40-foot behemoths that feature literally every comfort of the home. Actually, they go up to 45 foot.
1: Yeah, but who's (laughs) counting?
0: Wow. Once Uh, you get to that 40-foot range, it's just, (laughs) it's all relative. Motorhomes still are nowhere near as popular as travel trailers. However, 80% Mm -hmm. of the RVs out on the road are travel trailers uh, of some sort because obviously the expensive motorhomes and people that already own a truck or an SUV that can pull a travel trailer, it's a lot more affordable for them to buy one. So that's the history of camping.
1: We all learned something today. I hope you enjoyed that.
0: We will put that full article from uh, Reserve America up on the show notes at RVMiles.com slash 140 for episode 140. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back with our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment. RV miles is sponsored by the highway weather app. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the highway weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, get severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips and more. Did I mention all of that's included free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store.
1: And speaking of weather, take a look out our window right now.
0: Oh, uh, there's rains coming in.
1: Well, it's moving away, actually. It's- Storm's coming in, Annie. <laughs> We've been rewatching all of the Star Wars. Thank God we're out of the prequels now. We're starting solo <laughs> tonight. But if we look out our window, it's nice and dry here in the campground. But you Further can sort off, of you've see got-
0: the streaking rain in the cloudy distance.
1: And then past the rain is beautiful blue skies. Yeah. It's wow. quite the weather here in Arizona today.
0: <laughs> All right. It's time for our fresh tank, black tank segment, where we talk about the good, bad and the stinky, very stinky in the world right now. Abby, please kick us off with your black tank Which was really more my black tank, but okay.
1: Yeah, well, we were all traumatized by it too. Uh, My black tank goes to the childlike sized giant moth that came into our home last night.
0: It was not the size of a child.
1: It was. It was going to eat Henry. It was. (laughs) It was like... Huge. I mean, it was it was it was coming for us and uh, it required that Ethan and I run to the bedroom, shut the door because we don't want it to come in there uh, somehow or other. Poor little Henry. He was taking a bath <laughs> and the thing flew between the bathroom door and the ceiling and went in there. And Jason was tasked with having to remove it any way possible. There was no mercy in this. hall. I would
0: have, I you know, and I'm sorry. I would have loved to have <laughs> trapped it and let it go. This thing was evil. It
1: was It was huge. And then it required a few attempts to get it to finally succumb yes. to your will. And you decided that, uh, again, I'm black tanking you as well, because <laughs> you decided that you needed to let us all know what it looked like. And that was as Ethan said, an image he will never be able to get out of his head thanks to his father. No, but let's I'll, just I'll, know
0: I'll I'll save the podcast listeners that Yeah, they
1: don't need to know because it, it
0: took a few whack's with a fly swatter, stop, let's just say. Just that. stop. <laughs>
1: like I'm bla- I don't even know what this thing was. It was huge. It was But it's clearly becoming that time of year. Oh, again. I, I know. <laughs> <You're> He's <laughs> oh. like
0: <laughs> What's your fresh tank?
1: So, my fresh tank goes to first off, kudos to Max for letting us know about yes. this. But my fresh tank goes to Star Wars and Instant Pot. This
0: is amazing. It's
1: amazing. I don't know why these two haven't married together sooner. <laughs> I mean, the Instant Pot is the perfect shape for a Star Wars themed collection. So,
0: there is an R2D2 Instant a Pot, BB8,
1: which is adorable. There's a a Death Death Star. Star. A Stormtrooper one. I think the Death Star is my favorite.
0: And there's a Darth Vader one as well.
1: Oh, I missed the Darth Vader one. Oh, there's I think there's at least six or seven different. My favorite
0: is the R2D2 because it really looks like R2. It does. It's the shape of R2D2. It does look like
1: R2. The Chewy, the Chewbacca (laughs) one—that was a bit of a stretch. It's just like a
0: hairy instant pot. It does. I'm not really appetizing (laughs) to me. Uh,
1: But I do think uh, there's a stormtrooper. I do think I like though the Death Star, the overall design of the Death Star. But it's so they're so rad, and I'm just I'm really bummed because we just replaced our instant pot. Yeah. After you dropped it, okay, smashed it. (sighs) And spilled macaroni and it cheese. It wasn't all my over idea to make
0: enough macaroni and cheese for an army and have we were me-
1: going to a potluck. Carry
0: it down the road <laughs> what do you want? in an instant pot.
1: Who knows? You know what? You don't want to be that person that brings food to a potluck and then not everyone gets it because you didn't make enough. Don't be that guy. <laughs> anyway. So, anyway, we're not gonna be getting a Star Wars instant pot anytime soon because we just shoveled out some money for a new one recently. But if you are in the market for one and you are a star. Wars, my nerd, like we are. (laughs) And if anyone gets that reference, you and I are best friends. If anyone knows, what's up, my nerds? What's up, my nerds? If anyone knows where that came from. Please let us know because I want to talk to you. Uh, All right, Jay, what is your black tank this week?
0: Uh, This is, I guess, this is more of a gray tank, Um, but
1: a light black.
0: But yes, Um, (laughs) is there such a thing? Do we grade by color? I don't know. Uh,
1: I think in our world we have to start because it's getting a little bit harder sometimes to find things to be grumpy about.
0: My my black tank is about RVs and RV values moving forward and and the general outlook for the RV industry moving forward after this coronavirus crisis. And, you know, RVs are probably pretty low on the totem pole for the things to be worried about right now um but yeah, it is probably. a big industry with lots of people that you know have jobs in it
1: and yeah i mean the flip side is that yeah. that someone who works in the industry might say well i you know it's my I job t- yeah i i take issue with that I it's need not to low take, on my totem pole right
0: i need to take home a paycheck right right um and that uh us included where you know the rv industry is uh is a, most Boy. of our lives right now the rv industry is um is really, really optimistic about the future of RVing in the wake of this virus because they're thinking that, hey, people are not going to want to be getting on planes. They're not going to be wanting to get in cruise ships for a while.
1: They want to be in a self-contained space, but they still want to be able to travel. They want to go see
0: the country, but they do it in their own home that they clean themselves, make their own food and all that sort of stuff. yeah Car
1: manufacturers have to be like, you know, high five. There are a
0: lot of positives about travel going forward for the rv industry with people having this in the rearview mirror but most of the people that i've talked to into the in in the industry and a lot of the articles that i've read are way too overly optimistic right now because there's a huge concern about i mean how many people have applied for unemployment now it's over over 12 million. over 12 million now people don't have jobs we don't know what the long-term effects on the economy are going to be, but there are going to be a lot of people without the money to afford RVs. So as much as they might want to buy RVs, are they going to be able to afford them? Those people that have RVs now are some of those people that don't have jobs right now, that aren't getting a paycheck right now, or have their pay cut, or their, the company they work for ends up closing. They're going to have to sell their RVs the used rv market is going to get flooded or at least in an increase in the number of units available for used purchase which isn't good for the new rv manufacturing and it only drives the prices down uh, and the values down of all of our rvs those that if we you don't have to be involved you can be perfectly fine in your rv but if you want to go to sell it It might not be worth as much because there are too many used RVs available out there. So I do have a lot of concerns going forward about what what at least in the short term, you know, the next year or two.
1: I prefer to be cautiously optimistic.
0: You and you and the rest of the industry. That's what I'm um, going to be
1: is cautiously optimistic. I'm going for everyone's sake. I just I'm going to try and be. Glass half full on this one.
0: There are just a lot of things to be thinking about, I think, and uh, and there are yep. some concerns to be had. You know, these companies are really pushing forward to start manufacturing again, and I get it. But
1: adults, I hope they hard. have buyers.
0: <laughs> I really do.
1: It's really
0: hard. <laughs> it is.
1: All right. What's your fresh tank though?
0: Uh, my fresh tank is. Uh, this really cool streaming service that we have uh, now subscribed to and and are using. It's called Curiosity Stream. You may have seen ads for it. I get ads for it all the time. Yes, on that in the Great
1: Courses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but us as homeschoolers, particularly, it's great. But if if you're not a homeschooler, it's it, it's not kids stuff for the most part. It's it's basically all documentaries, and it's only right now they have it's forty percent off. It's Eleven ninety nine for the year. We got and, a
1: whole year for $12. Yeah. Absolutely worth it. Just to have um, access to, they've got Rock the Park on there. They've got one season of that, which is great for the kids. But we've watched some other stuff on there too. It's become part of our homeschool curriculum. And
0: I thought maybe it wouldn't have a lot of content or maybe some of the content would be, you know, a little low rent stuff that you would watch in like, you know, a, a high school class film type stuff but no it's all really really well done documentaries and there are a lot of them and for 12 bucks a year you can't beat it they have an app for the roku so we're able to watch it on our our tv as well so uh, check check it out curiositystream.com you can get 40 percent off right now 11.99 for an entire year
1: it's absolutely worth it that's one one month of hulu (laughs) you know
0: it is all right that's our show for this week. Let's wrap it up with a brain teaser. How about we? A man named Mr. Short Temper had a job at a business that makes designs for and produces kebab sticks, you know, like shish kebabs. The company, even though very successful, was losing money and needed to downsize some of the workers. Mr. Short Temper was one of the workers who was fired. Mr. Short Temper had a very, very short temper. He lost it all the time. What he decided to do was to go after the company's president, Mr. Wise With Money. He didn't know what the president or his family looked like, but he knew the address where he lived. He broke into the house one day and took Mr. Wise With Money's wife and daughter hostage. The president was informed and got to his house as soon as possible. He asked for the bullhorn the police had and said one thing that made Mr. Short Temper give up. What did he say? (laughs) We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast.
1: I'm still trying to wrap my head around (laughs) that one. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. And again, thank you to everyone who has gone over to Apple podcasts and given us a five star review. Y'all are the best. If you haven't done that yet, please go over there and do that. It just helps get RV Miles in front of a new audience every single day. We also want to invite you to join the see america podcast now in its third season as well as america's national parks if you have any questions for jason and i we are over all across social media facebook instagram rv miles or our wandering family join us on monday nights for our live over at the our wandering family facebook page i cannot talk anymore i have to be done have a wonderful week everyone we'll see you next week keep logging those rv miles